We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform. The Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same. And love, love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant, Pastor Wali Tejumade. Get ready for a transformation. Take for example, your service in the Lord's kingdom is motivated by faith or by love or by just your own personal desire. It will be to what end you know you are actually doing that which you're doing. Are you serving just such that pastor could see you and, you know, give you an accolade clap for you, you know, and say, hey, that's a, that's a very good one that you did. Or you're actually doing this because you truly want to please God. Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hallelujah, glory to God. Let me backtrack a little bit. Two Sundays ago, the Sunday before Easter Sunday, when I took the part one of the message titled Faith Works, some of the things or one of the things that I taught in that teaching was that faith is not a moment. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a lifestyle. A believer does not wear faith today and drops faith tomorrow. Faith is not, is not dependent on, you know, I wake up today and today, I just feel like having some faith in God. No. Faith is as long as you breathe, as long as you have your breath, as long as you are still alive, you are still trusting in God. The entirety of your, of your, of your personality, the entirety of your being, you know, is cast on no man but God. You are looking for ways to trust in God to the very literal, the minutest, the silliest thing that you may think about. And last week Sunday, like some of you may have observed, I was in uh, Nakagri Church, while Lady T, you know, was here in um, Regina Church. We went on further to teaching some things that faith, you know, also was not. And we did say that faith is not in thinking, faith it is in speaking. You don't think on faith, you speak faith. Faith is not for meditation, faith is for declaration. You don't meditate on faith. You meditate on God's word. When the word of God, like I taught them in Calgary on Sunday, when the word of God is meditated enough upon, what it does is that the word begins to produce result from the depth of your soul. And the next thing you would see is that your mouth begins to declare the very contemplations in your mind. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So faith is not in thinking. We don't think faith. We speak it. Faith is in declarations. And that's one of the reasons why as a ministry, one of the things that we do is that we take confession you know, in every service. One of the reasons why we take confessions is to be able to, you know, put our faith to work. God, when he was created heaven and earth, he did not meditate, let there be light and let there be day. He did not meditate on a, um, um, should the sea or the water, should they pass themselves? No. Bible says he declared and everything that he said, everything came into being. Same thing with our own lives. If we want to see God move, if we want to see the word of God deliver results in our lives, it must go beyond the realms of mere meditation or just meditation to the point when we begin to pronounce and declare the word itself. Bible says we all with an unveiled face beholding us in the mirror, the glory of the Lord. It says we are being changed from one level of glory to another. Listen, child of God, it's going to be very hard for you to find a true believer who is accustomed to being quiet or to being silenced. It's going to be very, very hard. 
while I was in Calgary, my son in the gospel, Oken, you know, was not feeling too great. So I went home, you know, to his house, you know, to go check up on him. And I got him, you know, something, you know, to take. And I told him, as I was handing over the whatever to him, I said, take this, you know, mix it with water and take it. By tomorrow morning, you should feel alive. I said, but make sure that your mouth is not shut. As long as you are not silent, the devil cannot come near you. Because the word that you are declaring by faith, one of the things he does is that it, can, it has the capacity to change in the, the entire atmosphere. It has the capacity to change in your life completely. But if you leave it at the realms of meditation, you may be changing truly, but your, the circumstances around you may not be changing. You have a dead child or a sick child beside you, for example. You cannot be meditating on the word, you know, and expect that child to just come alive. No, 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 no. You would have to declare that word alive to that particular situation for you to see it. Meditating on the word can bring about internal and inward transformation in the life of a believer. Do you understand what I'm teaching tonight now? You can meditate on the word enough and it will begin to purge you. Bible says, John 17, verse 17, God sanctify them by the truth. It says, because thy word is truth. So you can meditate on the word and the more you begin to meditate, the more the word begins to flush you, begins to transform you from inside out. But when it comes to dealing with issues, when it comes to dealing with life, when it comes to dealing with situations and things, you don't go, you don't meditate on them. You go boldly to declaring them. You go boldly to declaring them. You go boldly to declaring them. I hope this background sound is not too high online. Please listen online and make sure that it's not too, it's not louder than my voice. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So faith isn't in thinking, faith is in speaking. Faith is not a would have, faith is a must have. The just shall live by faith, yet the word of the Lord. The just shall live by faith. Let me give you an addition to that tonight. See, faith does not reason. Please, can you bring this down for me a little bit in-house? Just a little bit in-house. Faith does not do what? Faith does not reason. I wanted to say faith does not have sense. But what I'm simply saying is that you don't, you, don't, you don't use your physical senses, your human senses, to judge the veracity of God's instructions. Because it doesn't matter how much you try, it can never make sense. It can never what? It can never ever make sense. It can never make sense. It doesn't matter how much you try. Please, can we have this camera zoomed portrait shot for me? It doesn't matter how much you try, it can never make sense. Do you think it made sense when God told Noah, you know, to go ahead, you know, and construct the ark? No. You think it makes sense when God said to, you know, um, um, Abraham to sacrifice his only son? He says, your son, your very son, that one that you love. You think that makes sense? No, it doesn't make sense. Live where you are and go. I'm leading you to another land. It doesn't make sense. But the beautiful thing about faith is that it doesn't have to make sense to you. It just has to make it God. Please, can you zoom this main camera portrait to me? 
I'm saying this for the second time. Faith doesn't necessarily have to make sense. You don't have to understand it. It doesn't have to make you as long as it makes God, it is fine. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So faith doesn't reason. You don't use your human senses to judge in God's instructions. You don't use your human senses to judge in. Does it make sense? God says, I should sow the shoe that I just got, I should give it to Sister Ayako. Does it make sense that the shoe that I saved up for, does it make sense to give it to Ayako? Faith doesn't reason. In the obedience part of faith, in the process of executing it, in the process of executing that God's instruction, you may have to use your wisdom that by, 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 by the quality of effort you put in, if God says, build me a house right now, you don't have to reason, should I build God a house or should I not build God a house? But while building God the, God, the house, it will make sense for you to reason how well or how best can I build this house for God? What's the quality of material that I need to use in building this house for God? Faith doesn't reason. And please take this tonight. Please pay attention to this. This is very, very profound. Hebrews eleven six yet again says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. In other words, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So pay attention to this that I'm about to say. If without faith, it is impossible to please God, then it means that what pleases God is nothing else but faith. How many of you have read the book titled um, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman? I think you may stay on me. How many of you have read that book Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman? Have you read it? Now, in our counseling session, our marriage counseling sessions, it's one of the books you read if you were to do your counseling here. That book, the writer talked about five love languages. You see, in dealing with God, it's quite very similar to the same way you deal with man. In that, in that book, take for example, the writer says, um, some people's love language, you know, is words of affirmation. What your partner wants is just for you to just continue to affirm them. Tell them, oh, you did well. Oh, I love that that you did. Oh, you dressed well. Oh, you're smart. Oh, you're this. For some people, it's not words of affirmation. The writer says for some people, it's, it's gifts. They just want you to be giving them gifts. They may not mind if you don't affirm them. It really doesn't make sense to them. I taught this in our Calgary church just on Sunday. For some people, yet again, it is quality time. It doesn't matter how much you're giving them gifts. If you like, go buy Rolls Royce, buy the best of cars, you know, with them. You give them the car today and you take a trip tomorrow. They will tell you, come take your car. Instead of your car, I'd rather have you, you know, spend some time with me. In other words, it is not we that determine how our partners should be loved. It's our partners that tell us how they want to be loved. It is the same thing with God. You see, God's love language is faith. That's what Hebrews eleven six is telling you. God's love language is faith. Everything that you do for God, none of them pleases God except they are done, or except it is done as an act of faith. You can't say, Lord, today I just want to give you money. 
He wants the money. Yes, the money is good because the money is needed for the advancement of his kingdom. But to what end? What is the motivation behind the money you are given? You can't say today, Lord, I want to worship. What's the essence of your worship? Listen, everything and anything a believer does for the Lord must be tied eventually to an act of faith. If it is not tied to faith, it can never please God. So for God, as God, as far as God is concerned, God's love language is faith. That is the language God speaks. You see, and this is quite very revelatory. This is quite very deep and you need to understand this. So faith is beyond just trusting God. Faith is beyond just, you know, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Faith is loving on God. Faith is pleasing God. Is love language, is faith. What is faith? Believing that God is and is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is believing in the entirety, you know, of the integrity of God's word. Faith is knowing and believing that as far as your destiny is concerned, there is a man in heaven who sits up there, who rules and reigns in the affairs of man. And you believe him entirely. I'm going to get there tonight. So God's love language is faith. In that book, Gary Chapman, you know, he said, he said that for some people they have dominant love language. So they can like word, I mean, words of affirmation, but at the same time, they want you to get them gifts. There I say that I don't think I've met any lady that doesn't like being given gifts. If you're like that, I, Mr. Princess, you don't like being given gifts? Okay, so when it's time for your counseling, I'll tell your husband to be that, uh, just be affirming her, don't get her anything. That will make you happy, right? Indeed. Hallelujah, glory to God. So you can have a predominant love language, but you can have the ones that also follow. So what I'm teaching is, God's predominant love language is faith. So you are serving. Lord, my desire is to please you. My desire. My desire. My desire is to walk with you, my Savior. On this holy journey until I am no more. My desire. My desire. My desire is to walk with you, my Savior. On this holy journey until I am no more. Faith is God's love language. Now let's take a look at Hebrews 11. And let them continue to read from where we stopped the last time. I'll go again from verse number 13. Hebrews number 11 from verse number 13. It says, These all died in faith. These did what? They all died in faith. The Bible says, Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They haven't laid hold on the promise, but they saw it afar off. You know, for last Wednesday's teachings, and by the way, if you missed that teaching part on last Wednesday, you may want to go back on YouTube to go watch it. One of my, I'll say a son in the gospel, you know, um, a friend of the house, you know, who has 
deep seated honor for me and God's grace upon my life. Does not worship in lofty heights in person, but himself and his family always joins our services. You know, reached out to me, you know, and I jokingly said, Hey, so what's going on? I said, Pastor, I just want to bless you, God, for your life, for that teaching on the doctrine of faith, part one. He said, But you preach through um, the eyes. You know, I taught you guys about seeing them from afar. So I talked about the physical eye, the spiritual eye, and the power, I mean, the eyes of the mind. He said, You should have taken that easy. I want you to please, you know, shed more light on that. And frankly, I don't think there is any light I need to shed on it much more than that which I already did last week. Bible says they saw it from afar off. And I was telling you last week, I said, they couldn't have seen it with the eyes of their mind. Because the eyes of your mind is too limited to receiving and conceiving anything that is of the Lord. Because God, you don't, it's not your mind that is in communication or that God deals with. It is your spirit. Because essentially, you are not your mind. You are not a mind, rather. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Meaning that in the soul, you have your mind, you have your emotions, you have your will, you have your intellect. Then all of all these things wrapped together, then you live in a body. So there was no way Bible would say that they saw it from afar off and you think that they were just imagining in their head without the eyes of the spirit being enlightened. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Bible says that God, anyone that worships God must worship him in spirit and in truth. It is because the father is seeking such to worship him. So I said that there are three eyes. Your physical eye, your biological eye, this eye. Then you have the eyes of the mind. Then you have the eyes of the spirit. And the greatest of this that a believer should pay most attention to, it's the eyes of the spirit. Because it is stronger and greater than the eyes of the mind and the eyes of your body. So what happens in a believer's life is that whatever God says, a believer receives that with the eyes of the spirit. You can never open your Bible and read it with the eyes of your mind and think you will be blessed. No, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. You get what I'm saying now? You get what I'm saying? Otherwise, you'll be flipping through it. It will become an archaeological book for you or a storybook and all of that. But for you to glean revelations from God's word, the eyes of your spirit must be opened. So what then happens to a believer is that when the revelation is then caught, with the eyes of the spirit or something drops in your spirit realm your eyes of the spirit takes it transports it to the eyes of your mind it, the mind is where imagination takes place so for you who is a new testament believer you are not just imagining vainly like the people of the world would do because your spirit man is alive so your mind you are able to even bring it under subjection to the leading of the spirit So you are then able to, to think abroad, to imagine broad. These are these the things that God has shown you and the things that you've seen. Bible says, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they were assured of them. Number one, they embraced them and they confessed them. What were they assured of? What were they confessing? What were the things they were looking at? Not this earth. It's the heavenly home. 
If we take a look at that in easy version, Hebrews chapter number 11, 11 verse 13. Let me read what the easy version says to us. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 11 from verse number 13. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Let me see NLT first. NLT says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. People who say such things are looking for a country that they can call their own. If you go read further down, verse number um, 16, 17. Let me, let me hold on for me a second, please. I'll read from verse number 14 now. It says, obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. Verse number 15. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. The Bible says, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Child of God, one of the things I want to leave us with tonight, let me take a pause on this a little bit before I move forward is this. And I have this written in my notes. Bible says they were assured that they saw it from afar off. They were assured of them. They embraced them. They confessed them. Okay, what if I tell you tonight that in your walk with God, in pleasing the Lord, and in having faith, your, the, the summary of your faith walk should be to be in the place where God is. Those ancestors, that was what happened to them. They saw it from afar off. They were assured of them. They embraced them. They confessed them. And then they began to say, verse number 14, for those who say such things, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they are called to mind that country from which they have come out, they would have, you know, opportunity to return. But now, they desire better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know, one of the things that made it impossible for God to be ashamed of being called their God, because God knows that their desires was not on this earth. Cast your minds back again to last week Wednesday. I taught you last week saying to you that if of all the things, the reason why you're doing all the things that you're doing is because of all the things you can get here on earth, your faith walk will be checkered. To walk with God and walk excellently with God, to please God, to have faith, your desire must be to be in where God is, not just here on earth. See, that was the difference between us and those guys. Sarah didn't mind not having a child. Abraham didn't care if God gave him a child or not. He just wanted to be where God was. He wanted to please God. That's the difference. 
Paul, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. As long as I live, the essence is Christ. It's not me. But if I die, that's even a plus. Meaning that as long as I have my breath in me, the essence of the breath in me is to pleasing God, to living for him. That was the difference. So they were not pursuing, Lord, just give me a job. It wasn't just, Lord, heal me. It wasn't just, Lord, give me a child. Those things are good, but those were not the things these guys were pursuing. They were pursuing presence with God. That is faith. They want to be where God is. Bible says because they were not because they were looking forward to the homeland. Because if they had had the opportunity, Bible says if what they were looking forward to was their home country, they would have had the opportunity to go back. He says because they were looking for the one, the heavenly home. If you check the message translation, you may understand it better. He says because of that, therefore, their God was not ashamed to be called their God. Why? Because they long, they desire to be where their God is. Listen, any faith you have or faith work, we are teaching doctrine of faith. Any faith work or faith that you have that has no intention of getting you to the place where God is, it's not faith. Any faith you have on anything, if take for example, you're sick and you have faith, you know, you trust God to heal you. And the aftermath, the end result, I'm still going to get there, the end result of your desire for healing is not to eventually reign with God at the end of the day. It's not faith. Every faith walk will lead a man to God eventually. That's the end result. Bible says many of them died in faith. They kept on believing. That's also to say to you that these guys got to a level where nothing on earth matters to them. They considered themselves strangers, sojourners, nomads on the earth. They just want to please God. They just want to please God. The pleasures of the ancestors was God. Their pleasure was to be in where God is. So you want a job and you're trusting God for the job. To what end? You want a house and you're having faith, you're believing God. Lord, the cattle upon a thousand hills belongs to you. I know you are able to put a covering on my head. To what end? Bible says, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Is it, is, it, is it for God to heal you of the disease such that you can go back to your vomit and go back into sin? Or is it for God to heal, to bless you with a job such that you can have enough money, you know, to begin to do adultery and fornication? You know, poverty takes away certain sins from people's lives. Oh, you guys don't know. Okay. Okay. Poverty lack huh? sometimes can be good. But me, I don't want that kind of good. I don't know about you guys. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Sylvia, which one do you want? <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. The reason why you're not, you know, messing around may actually be because you don't have a car. 
to be taking you from one guy's house or one babe's house to another. But when God blesses you with a car, you have no excuse. Hey, I'm at your door, baby. And you, 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 you press the buzzer. You're done there. Where are you? My ETS is 13 minutes. See you soon. BRB. See, lack, 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 lack of money, lack of material possessions. Huh? Sometimes it can help you to work well with God. It will take away certain. That if you are not matured in the faith, if you're not matured Christian, it will take away certain things away from you. So every faith work of faith sojourn must help you at the end of the day to leading you closer to your God. So we want the things that we want. Yes, we want them. We want the money. We want the good health. But we are also I mean, you know, confident of this fact that daily as we live, as often as we breathe, our own life must please God. We just want to do his will. We want to please him, not to impress him. There is a difference. Impress, an attempt to impress him will cause you to begin to walk in self-righteousness. You're not trying to impress him. You want to please him. You want to do, to do what delight him. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's move on, verse number 17. In verse 17, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Please, I need you all to please pay attention, very close attention to this including everyone watching online. I need you to please pay close attention to this. He says, by faith Abraham, when he was tested. You know, I told us something last week. You don't need faith when your hands have laid hold on what you desire. You need faith to provoke him the physical manifestation of that desire. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if it's a car that you want, your faith becomes useless when you get that car. Your faith when the car hasn't arrived. As a matter of fact, after the car has arrived, your level of faith will change. You may then begin to pray and trust God of faith safety in the car or that the car will not turn to a liability on you or that when next you need to buy another car, it will be a car better than the car that you have. Verse 17 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Hold on a second. Oh, hold on a second there, please. Bible here says to you that God told Abraham, that it was in his son Isaac 
the nations of the earth was going to be blessed. That he was going to be blessed. That he was going to become father of many nations through Isaac. Take a look at He says, he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. So God gave me this. And God said, this water, I'm going to multiply it. I'm going to, he told me I'm going to give you this water. And this one bottle water that I've given to you, I would perform my wonders and it will become multiple, uh, what do you call it, parks of water. Then the same God who has given me the water, when the water was given to me, I was rejoicing at God's word that this single water that I have, God already assured me that he's going to multiply it and this is going to become multiple packs of water. Then that same God then comes to me and then says, you know that water, that single water that I've given you, go and trash it or go and empty it. In case you don't understand, that was what happened to Abraham. So this that he has or this that I have is not exactly what God wants to give me. It is a seed. It is one of many to come. As a planter or as a farmer, if you don't have a seed, you cannot harvest anything. So God gave unto me a seed and God says, this is the seed. I'm going to multiply this seed. And the same God then comes and says, that seed I've given to you, go trash it. Then the very first thing that will strike you will then be, if I trash that, what would have happened to the word that you've already given me? In which I've been rejoicing that I'm going to have multiple seeds. That was one of the reasons why I could tell you that faith does not reason. Because God had said, this son of yours, Isaac, I'm going to cause you in your seed shall be called and I'm going to cause you to have many sons. If God were to reason with me, the best bet would be, don't let me, don't kill Isaac. You give me Isaac, just give me another child and then kill that one while Isaac stays. Wouldn't that make sense? Wouldn't that make sense? Now let's go. I want to show you something very quickly. In fact, let me read Amplified Classic of that Hebrews um, 11 from verse number 17 to you. Amplified Classic. And I want you to please pay attention to Sometimes we read these scriptures, you fully don't understand. I know you know that Abraham offered his son Isaac. Because this account that I just read to you, you cannot find it expressly as this in the Old Testament. What you'd find in the Old Testament would be that God specifically told him, say, that your son. In other words, I'm not talking about Ishmael. He says, your very son, that one that you love. He says, that is the one that I want. Take a look at Hebrews chapter number 11 from verse number 17. Amplified classic version. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was to put to the test, while the testing of his faith was still in progress, had already brought Isaac for an offering. He who had gladly received and welcomed God's promises 
was ready to sacrifice his only son. Can you see? So when God made that promise to him, he was already rejoicing that yes, God has visited me. 18 says, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your descendants be reckoned. Then the Bible then tells you in this Hebrews eleven nineteen the reason why Abraham did that. Bible says because he reasoned that God was able to raise him up even from among the dead. Imagine that level of faith. Ponder over that for a few seconds. Imagine that depth of thinking. He says God was able to raise him up. Do you have that much of a faith? Child of God. When God takes that one thing that is dear to your heart. Do you have that level of faith to say, Lord, this is gone, but I know you are able to give me others. When God says, lay your sacrifice on the altar for me, that one thing that you are banking on, your only car, the last money in your account, your only shoe, your only cloth, your only jewelry, and God instructs you, give it to X and Y. Would you be willing to trust? Would you be willing to believe that God is able to restore unto you whatever you give out? On his instructions. You know, this year is our year to multiply. If you go back to YouTube and you go watch the message for the crossover service, I say to us that God does not produce multiplication. What God produces, how many of you can remember? It's a seed. God doesn't multiply things like that. He gives a seed. He gave his son. His son gave all of us. He made Abraham. Abraham became the father of many nations. You give A, he multiplies it. Luke chapter number 10. No one who's ever given anything for the sake of the kingdom will not reap a hundredfold return here on earth and here after. When all comes to show, would you be willing to? Or would you be reasoning? Lord, I can't pay this money. I can't give this money out to this person. Or would you be reasoning? You know, I said something also last week and I think I've been mentioning it, you know, all through this teaching. One of the very profound things God has taught me or taught me, you know, in this subject of faith. Don't forget that, um, as a preacher, the more I advance in age, the more I give myself to the study of God's word, the deeper the level of my revelations. You see, the truth is that this that I'm teaching you right now, this is not going to be the first time I'll be teaching this in this church. I taught it in 2019 or 2020. But if you go watch that YouTube version, if you go watch that message, for example, you will never find this depth of revelation as you found them. Same thing, if I were to take this teaching, it does not mean that what I taught then was invalid. Huh? You see, revelation or prophecies, they are progressive. You get what I'm saying? That's actually how you know that you're growing. If I begin to give you the opportunity to mount the altar, for example, to begin to share the word, I would expect that the more you have that opportunity to be a blessing to the people, the more your level of confidence rises, the more your, you know, your depth of preparation rises, you know, and all of that. If I were to take this same teaching next year, you can bet that I can't be with this level of revelation. God told me, without the ability to hear in him, you will never be able to walk well. 
Those people believed because they knew who was speaking. When God spoke to Noah, Noah was not making guesswork. He knew it was God. So it will be hard for you to obey in God's instruction to walk in faith if you cannot even discern his voice. That's what I'm saying. See, this is profound. This is very profound. So, you know, take for example, I talk about giving sometimes. And I say that one of the reasons why people don't give is because of fear of lack. Say, if I tithe, if I give $150 out of my bi-weekly $1,500 salary, it means that I am short of $150. But a believer shouldn't reason that way. That's why people don't tithe. That's why people don't give. So you have $50 in your account. You feel if you give $20, then you are now short of $20, so you have only $30. No, 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 no. It's revelation for you to know that there are only two things on earth that you spend your money on that has eternal consequence. Everything and anything you give to God as an act of faith, number one, and everything and anything you give to the poor that you give to others. But how do you do these things if you don't have the capacity to hear in God? to discerning God's voice, to knowing if God is the one speaking to you or not. And let me tell you, the devil will never give, ask you to give to God. No, you, did you hear me now? That, no, he will never. He, he doesn't want you blessed, so he will never ask you to sow a seed. So when God speaks to you, and you begin, should I, should I not, should I, should I not? I don't want to, I don't know if I should. Let me say it, I mean, I was in the office today, Actually, since last yesterday, um, for some very strange reasons, God just laid it upon my heart to sow a seed to this ministry. If I haven't even discussed it with my team, and I was still brooding over it, you know, how I should go about it, you know, and all of that. It wasn't that, I mean, right now, yes, we need funds, but we are not raising offering. No, I'm standing here and saying, if you have $500, get up and come and give. If you have one five, get up and come and give. So I was in my office this afternoon, you know, tidying up this session. And the Lord says, I don't want you to wait till it's time to give tonight before you sow it. Because I said to myself that when it's time to give tonight, I mean, I usually give by, by interact. I'll just, you know, do it at that point. But I heard and I knew it was God. And I went ahead and I made that transfer. I did it. I did it in faith. Child of God, listen. You must walk with God to a level where there is nothing you have that you cannot release without thinking twice. You know one of the reasons why many people are broke? Living from paycheck to paycheck your bill cannot carry you, it's because you are tight-fisted towards God and towards others. Give, and it shall be given. See, basic principle of life. A basic principle of life. Who was it that I was speaking with um, yesterday? Was it yesterday? I was, I was speaking with someone yesterday and we were sharing, yes, I remember. It was the Inwazes. I won't tell you the direction of our discussions. It was myself and Lady T that were with them. And we were sharing. And they, by act of faith, they were sharing, you know, how they were moved and how certain things 
um, certain doctrines or certain acts of faith works for them. And I then began to tell them some of the things myself and my wife has done. So you come here, for example, you know, you see the ark. You say you love it. You say God did it. Guy, do you have an idea of some dangerous seeds, sacrifices? I'm not saying God did this just because of that. It's God's mercies and God's grace that make these things available. But I'm saying that, do you have an idea? My work with God, many of the things it's costed me. No, do you have an idea? There are people in this church, and there is no need mentioning names or whatever, that I'm responsible for from my pocket. People lose their jobs here. I'll tell them, what are some of the bills you pay in a month? They will tell me this and this and this and this and that. So, okay, you know what? This particular one, pass it to my company. We can manage this for you, pending when God settles you. And then you would then be wondering why people would come to me and be sowing seeds. And why God is then bless, blessing me. If you are deaf spiritually, you can never walk in faith. They saw from afar. Their spiritual ears were open. Eyes were open. Same way their spiritual ears were open. They did not doubt. When God spoke to Abraham, Abraham knew he was God speaking. Child of God, seek to understanding and hearing God's voice. He makes life easy for you. And just in case you want me to reiterate, the devil will never ask you to be a blessing to someone else. The devil will never ask you, give your money to Tenny. He will never. You know what? Because the word of God cannot be broken. If you give, it will be given back to you. And it never wants you blessed. So you are in the Lord's house. Let me give you another example. I... I don't know how many of you, those of you from Lagos, you may know. RCCG, City of David. I'll make, make mention the name of the church. City of David in um, Victoria Island, Lagos, Nigeria. When we are done with this service, go online, go Google, Trinity Towers. Trinity Towers. To tell you how, about 17 years that the geo dedicated it. That must be in February or when? Or was it last year? I think we were in Calgary last year or this year. You know, we were in Calgary. And she asked me, what was I watching? I said, I'm watching live the dedication of Trinity Towers. God's done this for us, for example, and you'll be rejoicing. This is the list of what God can do. Trinity Towers has an helipad. Multi-billion dollars facility for God. Pastor Iluri Omade said Gio gave over 250 million era. It's personal money. That was before the construction finished though. So I knew that the day he went there, uh, something must happen. Then we were watching. You know, every church needs money. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. Take for example, the ark has been dedicated. There are still things to be done here. And y'all should actually brace up because summer is coming and you don't have cooling. If you all give very well, as God blesses you, we'll do cooling. If not, come to church with your fans. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, the fact that it's dedicated does not mean that there are no things to be done. Look at my back here. From this place down to this side, it's LED screen. The screen, the invoice, the budget is here. 
it's the money that is missing. There needs to be a light here, stage light. You don't have them. The quality of camera or the quality of image, those watching online right now, they are watching, will be better, sharper, clearer if we have lightning. The lighting you have is the lighting, the regular lighting in the sanctuary. So I'm saying to say that the fact that it's been dedicated does not mean that everything is done. Over there in the outer foyer, male and female washrooms are there. They still have to be constructed. So then, during that dedication of Trinity Towers, they began to then display and list all the things they still needed to do. Some, I mean, for construction of that size, everything in there was imported. Cooling, uh, mechanical, the GS, the sound system, they needed like a billionaire. I'm telling you, after the building has been done, then they displayed the account number. Shame I just wanted to watch, JJ. In such a situation, you would have asked yourself sometimes, ah, why did I tune in? No. You know, if you didn't know, there would be no guilt. There would be no concern. Say, oh, you, you didn't, well, I didn't see it. But now you saw it. You just didn't even see it. You watched it live. And my wife said to me, ah, oh, but we need to give towards this. I said, yeah. I said, I'm thinking so too. Then I opened my Naira account. I saw what was there. And I showed her. She said, we should transfer everything. I said, ah? I said, yeah. I said, let's, let's give everything. I said, everything. She said, yes. I said, I stand on God. I kid you not. We emptied my Naira account into the project account. That was a seed from me, my generations to come on that property. Uh, Minister Jumi, when the ark, you know, was being constructed, she would always tell us, she'd say, it's an opportunity to build for God. Whenever you hear a church wants to do a construction, church founded on God, if it is one cent that you have, give it to him. Give your all. You are giving for posterity. So now I can drive by Trinity Towers in VI, whenever I'm in Lagos, I can see that edifice. And as I'm driving by, I can be rejoicing. Lord, thank you. Because you made me a particular of this. That's one of the things faith does. Without your ability to hear in God, you will never be able to walk well. I don't know why I'm going this route tonight. Maybe God wants to break the hold of um, lack over someone's life. Let your life as a believer be such that there is nothing that you have that God cannot say, give me, and you're not willing to release. Abraham blessings are mine that we're declaring today. Abraham's blessings are ours because Abraham offered to sacrifice his only son. The same one in whom it has been promised that it is in this son that your seeds will be blessed. If Abraham had held back, you would never have been claiming Abraham's blessings are mine. Maybe God would have raised someone else. So for that which you have, that thing that seems so precious to you, if God calls for it, would you be willing to trust God like Abraham trusted God? To say if God killed him, St. God is able to make him bring, bring him back to life. I, I, I just need you to please think about it for a second. 
He didn't give Isaac just because he wanted to give Isaac. He gave Karaba. Think about that level of trust. The last meal, the last food that you have in your house. If someone is dying, someone is hungry, would you be willing to part with it? Can we pray tonight? Lift up your hand, right hand up unto heaven. And pray this prayer with the whole of your being after me. Say after me, Father, in the name of Jesus, let me not have that thing that I will not be willing and willing and ready to joyfully release to you. Turn that to prayer tonight. Let me not have it. Let me not have that thing that you will call for that I will not be willing to give out. Let me not have it. Father, let me not have it. Let me not have that thing that I cannot give out. Let me not have it. Let me not have it. Let me not have it. People sold their cars. Sold their cars as seeds for God's business. God's project. See, even if that house is a shrine, if that man of God is not called of God, or that person is not called of God, because God sees your heart, God will reward you. Let me not have that thing that you cannot ask for. Don't give me that thing, Lord, that I cannot release to you. You need to pray tonight. Let me not have that thing that you call for that I will not be able to freely give to you. Let me not have it. Let me not have it. Let it not come my way, Jehovah. Money, fame, wealth, skills. Some of you have skills that God needs. You are hurting it. Show up in the Lord's house. It's a burden for you. Let me not have that thing that you call for and I will not be able to release, Lord. Don't give it to me. Don't give it to me, Yahweh. Don't give it to me. Anything you give to me, Lord, let it be that that I can freely release unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Don't forget that beyond whatever you are able to give to God, the greatest of the things you can ever give to God in your life is the entirety of your being. The whole of you being given unto God, being offered to God as a living sacrifice. If you read further down, Bible says verse number 19 of Hebrews chapter number 11. It says concluding, that is Abraham concluded, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Then the Bible then tells you, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. In other words, truly, God truly redeemed Isaac. Because frankly, Abraham had given him up. Bible says, truly for him, whom he truly received, in a figurative sense, God truly redeemed Isaac. You know what God does said to me too? If Abraham wasn't used to God's voice or is unable to discern God's voice, did you know he would have killed um, Isaac? When God was saying, now take a look at, there is a ram, you know, held in the thicket. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Inability to discern God's voice, to hearing God's voice can cost you your destiny. It can. He would have killed um, Isaac and he would have thought that he did God a favor. 
Because he cannot discern. John chapter number 10 from verse number 1. My sheep hear my voice. When the shepherd comes in, they hear it. He says, the voice of a stranger, they will not hearken unto. See, I, I've said this multiple times. People ask me, what is the greatest position that I have? Or what is the, what is the secret of whatever God is doing through me and my life in general? Listen, it's ability to hearing God. Many times I've missed it. <laughs> Many times too, I thought it was God and it wasn't God. It was my head. The mercy always came in. Do you understand what I'm saying? Grace would always come in to redeem you. Bible tells us in 23rd Psalms, it says, for his name's sake, certain things God will do for you. Huh? Not because he delights in your mess. Not because he's very happy because you made a very foolish and silly mistakes. It's because you've been identified with him. So to protecting himself and to protecting his name is integrity. Because everybody sees you, you come to church, you do everything. Okay, so this one now, he has acted foolishly. If I don't show up for the sake of my own name, it will, be, it will be, bring a mess to me. Then the mercy of the Lord begins to then speak for you. That's what the psalmist was saying in Psalm chapter number 23. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. He says, for God is with me. He says, for his name's sake. His name's sake. I was telling someone sometimes ago, many of the things that we brag about and we call grace, you know, or that we lay hold to saying, you know, it was as a result of many of the things that we did. We, it was God's, for the name, for the sake of God's name that protected us. Because God would never delight in your misery. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. He says, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Faith. God's love language. Faith to please God. Faith, it is to continually, consistently, every second, every time, every minute, letting God know, you are my God. You are my God and there is no other. Faith is having consistent desire and appetite to being where God is. Faith. Without it, it is impossible to please him. Without it, it is impossible to make him happy. By faith, we understand the world were framed by the word of God, by faith. Faith is not just a thing. Faith is who God is. Same thing with righteousness. Righteousness is not mere a title. Righteousness is the personality of God. Holiness is not just a thing. Holiness is who God is. The 24 elders, Revelation, the book of Revelations, remove the crowns on their head. Bowing their heads before him who rules and reigns forever, crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. 24 hours, day and night, they do, as I'm speaking to you, that's what they are doing in heaven. Think about that a second. That is what they're doing. That's their responsibility. Just keep bowing, bowing before him, bowing before him and just worship him who sits upon the throne. Kadosh, Kadosh. Kadosh, Kadosh. 
Kadosh, to the Lamb of God who sits upon the throne. I share that song with his expressions tonight, this evening. I hope they will get to it. And someday, maybe when we're having a supernatural service, you get to hear that. Let me wrap up doctrine of faith. And let's wrap up by taking a look at Hebrews chapter number 12. We're not able to go through all the account, but we tried. That's the heroes of faith. We took a look at Abel. We took a look at Enoch. We took a look at Noah. We took a look at Abraham. Um, Bible tells us also about Jacob. Bible tells us about Joseph. Bible tells us about Moses. He says by faith, Moses, when he became of age, Moses refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the, the pleasure of the personal sin. By faith. That's the desire to please God. Do you know when you run away from sin, it's faith. When the thought to fornicate, to masturbate, to engage in pornography comes and you flee from it, from the thought you run from it, you choose not you, did you know that that is pleasing unto God? That's faith. Because you're not doing that not to fulfill morality. I've asked someone before who said, you know, um, I think they were trying to get married or so. He said, um, she hasn't slept with anybody. I said, why? She said, because, um, you know, she wasn't giving me the response that I was expecting. Later on, I got to know that her response, the reason was because of societal standards, morality. Listen, Christianity is not morality. Christianity is not what? Morality. There is some measure, there are some measures of morality in it, but that is not what it is. If the reason why you are not messing around is because of what people will say, it is not faith. You're not pleasing God, you're pleasing others. But if the reason why you're not messing around is because you reckon, why? Because this body is the temple of the Lord. That's why. Not because of what pastor will say. Not because of the fear of being pregnant. Hebrews chapter number 12. So Moses, sorry, before I get to Hebrews chapter number 12. Moses refused because he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he looked to the reward. He, he wanted to please God. See, it was so bad that uh, 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 um, Moses was going, then found two Egyptians uh, fighting, and he attempted to say to them, you know what, what they said to him? Do you want to kill us the way you killed the other person? By faith, Hebrews eleven twenty seven. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses didn't give a hoot about Pharaoh. His desire was to please God. 
The three Hebrew boys didn't give a hoot about King Nebuchadnezzar. They'd rather die. See, that's faith. And by God's grace, I can stand before God and before you all to say, I've had a taste of it. I've had a taste of it. I heard a doctor say to me that that God you are serving, continue to serve him. That's faith. Make your boast in the Lord. It was Jeremiah speaking, says, let not the riches glory in the world. Let not the strong man glory in his might. Let not the wise glory in his wisdom. Let he who glories glory in this, that he knows me, that I'm God, who executes vengeance. Lord. That's faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down flat. By faith. Let's see Hebrews 12 and we'll bring it to an end. Hebrews chapter number 12 then says, you know from verse number 11, chapter number 11, the book of Hebrews from 11 begins to tell you what faith is. Then he went on to analyzing and then telling you those who walked in faith or who walked by faith. Are we all together tonight? Are we all together tonight? So the writer of the book of Hebrews then says, okay now, I've enunciated this man who walked with God, who pleased God, who had faith, who believed, who died even in the faith process. Verse number 12, chapter number 12 from verse number 1 there says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, can you see Therefore, all of us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What race? The race of faith. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. He trusted God. Despising the shame. You know the beautiful thing? And now I sat down at the right hand, right hand of the throne of God. Listen, every faith walk comes with a reward. In that in the account you read, when you get back home or at your time, go study Hebrews 11 again. Every faith walk huh, comes with the reward. Every faith walk comes with the reward. Both the reward that can be seen and the rewards that cannot be seen. Bible says heaven rejoices at one soul that comes to Christ. For a sinner to be saved, the sinner must have faith imputed. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. So in heaven, angels and all of them, the hosts of heavens, they are rejoicing at one sinner who comes back home. Every faith exercise comes with reward. Jesus, the sacrifice to the cross, the journey to the cross, was a journey of faith. It was a journey of faith. 
He was sandwiched between two robbers. Bible says one to the right, one to the left. Then one looked at him. Say, you see, those ones, they don't believe. May I believe you are the son of God, you are the Messiah. Bible tells us Jesus said today to him, it's today you will meet me in paradise. Every faith walk comes with reward. With reward. Let me read to just help your understanding and see how you know you can actually walk the work of faith. You know, in verse number one of Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, someone said, Therefore, it says, Now, therefore, since we are all surrounded, we've heard all these stories. So I'm saying to you, too, since I've been teaching you since last week about the doctrine of faith, how to please God, how to walk with God, faith being God's love language. He says now, let us lay aside, let us set aside every weight. Those weights are not physical baggage. They are emotional and sinful baggages that easily beset us. Weight, sins are like loads. They make you heavy. You do whatever you would need to, you want to do that you shouldn't do. You are no longer able to serve God. So many people have run away from the Lord's presence because they feel that they're falling short of the Lord's glory. The same place they should be running to is where the devil is telling them to be running away from. If Jesus doesn't save you, who will save you? We run further to the cross, not further from the cross. It's the cross that saves. Let's see Hebrews 12. Won't you? I'll read three versions and then we'll call it a night. I'll start with Amplified class. <coughs> it says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who are born testimony of the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, unforgiveness, bitterness, outburst of anger, of wrath. Inability to heed corrections or to be con corrected. Arrogance, pride. All those work of the flesh. It is unnecessary word. And that sin which so readily, deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us. You know what that sin is to you. He says, and let us run with patience endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us how do you do that he says looking away from all that will distract to Jesus <laughs> so simply saying to you or meaning rather that sin is faithlessness he says looking away <clears throat> he says looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader and the source of our faith, given the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. In case you don't understand that, let me read it in um, easy version. Then we'll do amplified classes. Hebrews chapter number 12 from verse number 1, easy version. Pay attention. Please rise up on your feet tonight as we begin to bring the teaching to a close. Hebrews 12, verse number 1. Hallelujah, glory to God. It says, so we have learned 
about many people who trusted God long ago. They are like a very big crowd all around us and we should copy their example. We must be like people who run in a race. We must throw away everything that stops us from running well. When you want to run a race and you have baggage on you, you have weight on you, maybe covetousness, pride, uh, anxiety, um, faithlessness. You know faithlessness is a sin? Do you know that? Faithlessness is a sin. You know, faithlessness. You have all of those things. What the writer is saying to you that those things will make it hard for you to run. He says then, he says we must be like people who run in a race. We must throw away everything that stops us from running well. The sins that we do make us fall down very easily. We must not let those sins rule us. In other words, we sin, you cannot walk with God. Then he says, God has prepared the way that is in front of us. We must continue to be strong while we run, run along the way. We must choose to run that race well. As we run, verse number two, we must always look towards Jesus. He is the one who trusted God completely. Our faith starts with him and he will help us to trust God all the way to the end. Jesus accepted punishment on the cross. He chose to receive much pain. He did not think about being ashamed to die like that. He knew that God had prepared something very good for him that would make him happy. In other words, you can't walk with God. You can't have faith without the help of Jesus. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the one who done this thing, worked it excellently. Without sin, without sport. So this writer is saying, if you want to do it, you want to please God, you want to walk, you must look upon to Jesus. Hebrews chapter number 6, verse number 12, Bible tells us, it says, now do not be sluggish. He says, but be like them who through faith and patience who did what? Obtained the promise. Let me read the message version for you. I know some of you are tired of me already, but I won't stop teaching you God's word. If you won't take anything out of lofty height, huh, you must take out consistently huh, the desire for God's word. Listen to message version. Message says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means with better, can, can, can I have message version display please? And you are smiling. I don't know why you are smiling. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Shoot down. Start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. It says keep your eyes on Jesus. Who both began and finished this race we are in. Study how we, how we did it. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see that? He says, study how Jesus did it. Don't forget I told you, the end result of every fake work must be to rule and reign with God at the end of the day. To be in person where God is. This writer is saying to you that, be like Jesus. Let's look up unto Jesus. He walked it already, he did it, and he did it well. 
You see, the reason why I read Bibles to you all in different versions is to help your understanding. If you continue to read just NKJV, you'll just be screaming, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. You will not fully understand what he's talking about. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we are in. He says, study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor. Right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Jesus walked it. He endured everything. He did not fall. Simply put, nothing should stand in the way of your faith walk. Lift up your right hand up unto heaven tonight. And pray, Father, help me to please you. Help me, Lord Jesus, to please you. Help me, Father, to please you. Help me, Lord Jesus, to please you. To walk with you, faultless and blameless. Help me, Lord Jesus, to please you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Our time is fast spent. I want to give someone an opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. Jesus is the one who makes the faith walk easy. Jesus is the one who helps us to walk. Without him, like you read, like you saw in the scripture, you will not be able to walk like you should walk. It's that Jesus I'm introducing to you tonight. You're not saved. Or you're not pleasing God. And you can't say I'm pleasing God and you're living perpetually in sins. See, faithlessness is a sin. Did you hear me now? Faithlessness is a sin. Inability to believe God is a sin. To read something in the word you're sorry that God said by his stripes you are healed and you don't believe it, you're a sinner. <laughs> to read in the world, in the word, that the love of the Lord has been shed abroad in our heart by the spirit of the Lord that's given to us and you, are, you cannot walk in love, you're a sinner. Any, anything that, deplace, that displaces God is a sin. If I give you a word of prophecy uh, as a servant of God and you doubt it, you're a sinner. Anything that makes God's word of no effect in your life that causes you to doubt it, it's a sin. All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. Please say this after me, dear Father. I thank you for your word. That has gone forth to me tonight. Thank you for leading me into your house. Thank you for the ministry of your word. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. I repent of my sins tonight. Confess you Lord Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Please save me. Fill me with your love. I believe Lord Jesus that you died. And that you rose again. And I believe you are coming back again for me. Keep me in your warm embrace. 
and keep me standing for the rest, the rest of, of time. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.